Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This episode was originally recorded as a weekly live training for the 21-day Run Faster Challenge. If you'd like to watch these trainings live or participate or ask questions, please join the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. And if you found this episode helpful or relatable, please subscribe to this show and or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening to it. My whole goal is to get this information to as many trail runners as possible, and every little bit of engagement helps. All right, let's get to the episode. Thank you all for joining me for the second Q&A and or office hours for the 21 Day Run Faster Challenge. I have a few things that I, a few questions that people asked in the group that we're going to touch on. And if anybody has more stuff they want to ask or anything live, please pop it in the comments or the chat if you're with us on Zoom, and we can definitely make that happen. So let's get, get rolling. First off, short note in case you're watching. Uh, we're going to spend some time talking about fat loss today. This is a hot topic on my brain in general, and I promise it will be a good conversation, but I also pretty much guarantee that there's no way I'm going to keep my language clean. So there, if you care, tell your kids to go away or put on headphones, because even if I tried, I promise you it's going to slip. So here we go. Dina asked the question, is it possible to lose weight and to keep lifting at the same time? Um, how do you calculate calorie intake per day? Does it matter? What is the optimal amount of weightlifting per week? Do you need to warm up before your runs? We can, we can address a bunch of these, but let's start with, is it possible to lose weight and keep lifting at the same time? Yes, absolutely. In fact, it would be the preferred method. The big thing, I big mistake I often see people make when they try to lose weight is that they don't lift anything. They lose a ton of muscle mass. They don't lose a ton of weight, um, but it's not all fat. In fact, a large majority of it's muscle. So you end up in a worse metabolic place than when you started. This is what happens. One of the healthiest things you can do for yourself is to build lean muscle mass. If you take more lean muscle mass away, then you get less healthy. They've shown this in everybody from power lifters to sumo wrestlers, like they're not lean people. <laughs> everybody should know that sumo wrestlers are very overweight, but they're very healthy when you look at them metabolically because they're really strong and they train a lot and move a lot. If you have more muscle mass, you tend to be healthier. So where we tend to run into issues is say you're 200 pounds and you lose 20 pounds. If 15 of those pounds were fat and five of them were muscle, then great. You've done a lovely job. In fact, you're probably going to lose some muscle when you lose weight, unless you're very new, which we'll touch soon. But if you've been training for a long time, it's very likely you're going to lose a little bit of muscle when you lose weight. Now, on the other hand, if you're 200 pounds and you cut like most people do, don't lift and just cut your calories to the floor, you absolutely will lose probably about 50% of that as muscle mass, if not more. So 
don't do that. <laughs> Lift weights, eat high amounts of protein, take care of yourself. By high, I mean like a gram per pound of body mass. You don't need to go like the bro diet, but still eat enough to support muscle growth. Now, let's go a little further into, into weight loss and calories and all this stuff. Weight loss, first off, is probably not actually your goal. If it is, then I don't know really what to tell you. But weight loss and fat loss are not the same thing. We can do a very simple yet dumb example. Cut your leg off. Nobody's going to do that, but it would make you lose a lot of weight, right? If we do a like less asinine example, you could also lose a bunch of muscle, as we just talked about. Not going to make you look better. It's not probably going to make you feel better unless you are very muscle bound and like gained it improperly with no stretching. Like you are not going to want to lose muscle or you could dehydrate the hell out of yourself. Right? if we look at fighters, they will very regularly cut about 10 pounds the day before their weigh-in. This is not fat loss. They dehydrate themselves. They pump water for about two weeks and then they cut sodium and carbohydrate and then finally cut water and pee it all out the night before or, and get in a sauna. So that's not really your goal. It's not gonna change how you look. It's not gonna change how you feel. It'll probably make you feel worse actually. So it will change how you feel, but not for the positive. Weight loss is not really your target. If it is, great, I'm not speaking to you. Second, thing that nobody actually has probably really ever said is, oh, Becky, you look like you weigh exactly 124.6 pounds today. This is not a real thing that people say. What do they say? Damn, you look great. <laughs> That's it. They don't care about your weight. They care about how lean you are. So we're not really looking again for weight. We're looking for fat. Now, if we're looking for that, lovely. I've lost a bunch of fat in my life and then gained some back and then lost it again. It's been a whole cycle. So on that point, like, do you really know what you're, you're losing? If you're losing this, can you tell whether you're losing fat or muscle? Kind of. Um, it depends how much money and time you're willing to spend, but probably not really unless you're willing to spend a lot of both. But also, I'm going to reiterate, doesn't matter. If you're getting stronger and feeling better and looking more like you want to look, then it's probably okay. Now, I'm a fan of data as much as the next person. The gym where I work, we have one of these like little bioimpedance scanners that I'm going to get to, and it's been fun to watch it. But it hasn't really changed anything for me. And for the most part, if data is not going to change you, how you're moving or working or training, then you might not want to take that data. Let's look at VO2 max and compare it to running real fast. The goal when it comes to running and doing training is not to get your VO2 max higher. The goal is to run faster. Sometimes that means you need to increase your VO2 max. Sometimes it doesn't. A lot of high-level athletes will actually slowly degrade in their VO2 max over their career, even as they get faster. If you're trying to win the VO2 max game, then that's great. Your first step should probably be get different parents. But two, it's not the same as running faster all the time. It helps, but it's not the target. Same with weight loss. If you want to lose weight, that's lovely. But what is the actual target? Is it how you want to look? I support the hell out of that, right? Like we've talked about my issues, my appearance and everything and how I've worked hard on it in the past. And 
that's lovely. If you want to become who you want to be, I think that's wonderful for you. That said, your weight and how you want to look are not directly connected. There might be a piece there, but they're not direct. They're not the same thing. Now, can you lose fat and gain muscle at the same time? Yes. If you have a lot of fat to lose and you don't have a lot of muscle to start with. I did this when I was 20. I hadn't trained much. I was really out of shape. I was about 50 pounds overweight, I would say, based on how much I lost. And I had no real strength. I could not do a good push-up, more than two maybe. I lost 50 pounds in about nine months and I got a lot stronger and I ended up with something between a six pack and an eight pack. I should have done it slower in retrospect, but I didn't know any better. Sounds like Brian did something like this recently. Congratulations, by the way. And I bet it'd be very difficult to do that again now based on how well-trained he is. In the industry, we often call this newbie gains. When you have never trained before, your body's going to get this amazing super response where you can lose a bunch of fat and gain a bunch of muscle. Everybody I know on this call, it doesn't apply to you because most people who are like working really hard to run an ultra are probably not there. So commit to some time. Now, how can we measure fat loss? One of them is bioimpedance. My gym has something called an evolt. There's also a thing called a... I can't remember. I'm not, not going to make you watch me try, but oh, in body. That's what it is. My old bathroom scale had a cheaper version of that where it has the little things that you touch. That's a bioimpedance. It measures the electrical current through you and does some calculations to try to figure out how much of that is fat. It's not particularly accurate, but it's fine over time. If you get a consistent trend line, you can use calipers. You can get a water displacement test. You can get a DEXA scan. The DEXA scan is great. They're not cheap. And even they are not perfect. And even if they return a number that you don't like, it might not actually change your training. Now, if we look at something like a bioimpedance scale, you can hack the hell out of that. The fastest way to cha see change on a bioimpedance scale is to adjust your hydration. It will greatly adjust what they call lean mass. Here's an example. The first time I tried the Evolt at our gym, I got on it. And it said I had like 30% body fat. I knew that's wrong. <laughs> I tried not to get all like weirded out about it. Didn't feel great though. Um, what had happened was I had spent a full weekend at a conference, drank way too much, uh, eaten really poorly, super dehydrated, drove 12 hours back from Tucson, came to the gym to like, because I was starting work, I think the next day. And then I stepped on the thing because someone was showing me how to use it. Very dehydrated, bloated because of all the booze, and just not well taken care of, right? And it read a number that I was not particularly stoked about. Two weeks later, yeah, two weeks later, um, I took it middle of the day after being well hydrated, after a run, after I'd been training, 18, I think. There's no way I lost 12% body fat in two weeks. It is, it's stupid. It's not a thing that happened. The second number is much closer to the truth. It's probably low. I'm probably a little higher than that. Still though, like, you know, close. So if you want to hack a bioimpedance scale, drink a bunch of water. It will track as lean mass and you can change it. Fastest way to get leaner from calipers is to find a different person to do your caliper test. 
unless someone has done a lot of them and they really know what they're doing. And even then it's gonna be off, but at least it'll be consistent. If you have two different people do your caliper test, I promise you your body fat number is gonna change a lot. And I don't know which direction. It's just a crapshoot, right? The trends can be helpful. They can be motivating. They can also be really discouraging. I have a client at the gym who's actually really, I'm trying to not identify this person, very happy with his or her appearance and the strength gains being made, but the Evolt is not showing necessarily the greatest trend lines. And most of that comes down to hydration. We pinpointed it, we figured it out, but that could be really discouraging if you're going to get completely caught up in it. The best way to use anything is to use it really consistently under the same conditions. And that way, when you see the trend either staying stable or going up or going down, you know that it's pretty accurate. If you're seeing, if you're getting a data point every three weeks or every month, it's fairly worthless to you. If you're getting a, a scale weight weekly, I honestly think that is less helpful than a scale weight not at all. If you are going to take your weight weekly, that gives you little to no data. At least three times a week, if you actually want to use your weight to see a trend line. Now, metrics that I actually really care about would be, are you getting stronger? Are you lifting heavier things? Are you looking better? This is why progress photos are actually important. It is not just because they are a marketing thing for people. You should take, if you're trying to lose fat, you should take your own and look at them as time goes on and see how you're changing. Because that will actually show you. Because your day-to-day -day perspective of yourself in the mirror is not going to show you anything. It is too slow to make a difference. Right? I actually just saw one of these today. It was stunning but he had to hunt down the last photo and was surprised himself when he looked at it. But when we look at these things, we need to appreciate that this stuff takes time. Now, if you want to lose fat, then this should be your next two to three months. Lift heavy shit, walk a lot, and don't try to lose any weight, seriously. And then when you're a lot stronger, and you're eating more, and you're really hungry, and you're walking a lot, then you should be able to lose weight really quickly because you'll have a lot of muscle mass. You'll be in the habit of being fairly active, but not in a way that is going to like require you to run 50 miles every week for the rest of your entire life to maintain it, and then move forward, right? And then if we look at all of the stuff that can be super helpful, it can like track trends, we can do things, but we just need to not get too much caught up, caught up in it. Now, if you are trying to lose fat and you're, you are a runner, that is great. Um, you should still dial back on your running. I'm not saying get rid of it. It's probably important to your happiness, but you shouldn't be like trying to lose fat in a peak training cycle, because that's basically what it's going to take for you to maintain that fat loss. Whatever you do to lose fat, you will have to do something pretty similar to keep it off. Be that keeping track of your food in one way or another. Like mine, I check in occasionally. 
Like I, I did really well with gaining muscle and losing a bit of fat recently with like a year ago with food tracking. So occasionally I track because I know that I'm going to get off of my protein, right? If you are, if you really like keto, that's great. Then you should do that. If you, if you like carbs and don't think that's going to be a long-term strategy for you, then that is not a great strategy to lose weight because you're going to come off the wagon. You're going to come back to your life at some point and it's not going to stay there. You will have to do a slightly less intense version of what you did to lose weight as you did to keep it. This is why I hate people seeing, seeing people start like fitness journeys with 75 hard. If you don't know what it is, it's a really intense challenge. It's, I don't have it memorized. You can look it up. It is fantastic. It is also like trying to get into hiking by climbing Everest first. It's stupid. It's a great challenge if you're trying to like push yourself to like a new level of fitness, but it is not the way to start a journey. It's like starting running by towing the line at bad water. It's not smart. Now, as far as counting calories, let's talk about how to do it correctly because it can be a super helpful tool. That said, if the only way you know how to lose weight is by counting calories or the only way a coach of yours knows how to lose weight is by counting calories, you should get a new coach or like find some new stuff. So your app doesn't know anything. Neither does your scale or your watch, or your treadmill or genuinely the back of your fucking cereal box. I know what it says on there for calories. It's wrong. <laughs> They're allowed to be wrong. So all of it is kind of nonsense. And said, so we have to leave in with this a little bit if we're going to use tracking. I've used it very well. We have to accept that there's going to be some error. And then you should be very consistent in what you do in order to just minimize like further variations of that error. So if I am going to have people track calories, I will have people look at it for or track for one to two weeks without changing anything. Activity, intake, ideally, I would love to see a month. People aren't going to do that, right? So track your calorie intake for one to two weeks without changing anything. If you eat the same thing every day, like a bodybuilder, you could do three days. If you have a normal feeding schedule of most people and it varies quite a bit, then it should be more than three days. Make sure you get a weekend. If you regularly go out and party, should include a party, you know, do the thing. Now, your weight should stay the same. By the end of this, you average out how many calories you consumed over that time period. So if you did it for seven days, add all of it together, divide by seven, and you will know your average daily calorie intake. It does not matter like what you had on Tuesday. It matters what you had over the course of a week, right? Now, once you get this, you know your maintenance calories to sustain your current lifestyle. Once you know your maintenance calories, then you can adjust. And you should adjust as little as possible to make the most amount of change, right? So if you want to start to lose weight, cut three to 500 calories and see what happens. Now, if you find your maintenance to be less than 1,800, 2,000 calories, I don't know, it depends, like everybody in this group, which probably, if you find your maintenance to be less than 2,000 calories, you probably shouldn't cut. There are exceptions, but it's typically a bad idea. Instead, focus on what we talked about before, build muscle, slowly try to increase your calories, 
look up a reverse diet or have me help you. And then by the time you've increased or hastened or whatever you want to call it, your metabolism, you're going to have a much easier time trying to lose weight. If we just do simple math on it, if your daily intake is 1500 and you are trying to lose a pound a week and you cut 500 calories, that is a third of your daily intake. While you're trying to do shit, it's really hard. Now, if your daily intake is 3000 calories and you cut 500, that is a sixth of your daily intake. So much easier to create a deficit that will result in the exact same amount of fat loss when you have a higher maintenance. So build a higher maintenance. Now, I can't tell you what number to get to. It's gonna depend on your history. You might, some, some people in here are never gonna to get to a 3000 calorie maintenance. It doesn't matter unless you train eight hours a day. And even then, like it's not realistic. That said, you can definitely increase it if it's really low. There are people my like size and age who eat half of what I do and still gain weight because of metabolic adaptation. I was not in a great place in my early 20s. Since then, I've eaten a lot of, and mid-20s for that matter. Since then, I've eaten a lot of food and trained hard and built a bunch of muscle mass. And my daily intake is functionally a chore at this point. Now, now like if you have dieted a lot and cut a lot of calories and done all the shit from Octavia to Nutra, whatever, to keto, to low fat, to OMAD, to pick a diet. Um, anyway, if you've done all that, then you taught your metabolism to become slower. It's not broken. It's doing what you've taught it to do. You can also teach it to get faster, but it's going to, it's not going to happen overnight. Unless someone like cut your thyroid out, you didn't get the metabolism of a 90 year old woman in two days. So you're not going to fix it in two days either. So the thing I would say is pick a goal, seriously. Like if your goal right now is to train for an ultra, do that and don't focus on fat loss. And because the reason most people get stuck is they try to work on 12 things at once and half-ass all of them. They never see any progress and they switch tactics every two to four weeks and it doesn't work. So stop. Pick a goal. If you're fine with slower progress, then you could pick a couple. You can also pick a couple of goals that support each other, like getting stronger and faster and increasing your metabolism. And then do the thing and commit to it for like two to three months. Stop looking for magic. Progress is probably going to be kind of slow. When I finally got my act together to lose 50 pounds, I, it never felt like I was going fast enough. In retrospect, it should have gone slower. And it's not like I went to, it's not like I went to bed one day and said like, woke up the next day and what the, what the fuck happened? I'm fat. No, like I was, it was a process over years. I was, and one day I was driving home for summer break from U of A to New Mexico and the seatbelt kept getting stuck under my fat folds and it was hot and sweaty and gross. And I felt like a piece of shit. And it wasn't the first time I felt like this. And it was after years of feeling like that, I finally decided to do something. So I did, but I didn't get there overnight and I didn't expect to fix it overnight either. It was when I stopped trying to fix it magically and committed to doing the work and getting stronger and eating less that I saw changes and I still pushed it too fast. I fucked up my metabolism and my hunger cues. Like I don't get hungry until like 8 p.m. and then I'm really hungry. 
and I would not do it the same way again if I had to do it over. But I did commit 100% to the process rather than trying to get overnight results. I did not say, I stopped saying like, I don't want to be fat anymore. And I started saying, I need to lift things every day, move every day and eat this way every day. It was this way that was the problem. It was a very like one meal a day diet. And then the scale became a side effect and it plummeted. Commit to a thing. All right, that ended up being like a half hour rant on fat loss. But as I said, it was going to be a tirade. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. If not, I'm going to keep going through everything that was in the group. Said I threw away. I was so embarrassed when I took and I deleted them. I lost 40 pounds and wish I kept them. Yeah, I feel similarly. I honestly don't have any photos with myself. I have like two photos of myself from that period in my life because I hated photos and I kind of wish I could see the progress. Trying to lose the baby fat while also getting stronger. Yep, that's really hard. Um, mostly focus on the stronger. I promise you will help. And I, I train a couple pregnant people and post-pregnant people. Focus more on the stronger and everything else will help. Metabolism and dieting makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I, you know, only took me 30 minutes. Appreciate it. Now, get more questions about running. What is the optimal amount of and strength training? Hours of weightlifting per week. It depends on your goals, right? Like if you want to be a professional bodybuilder, it probably needs to be two hours a day, like six days a week. Now, if you want to be a like functionally strong runner, an hour, like you could do two 30 minute sessions and crush it. Most of the people I train, um, at least this time of year, are really strength training once a week for like 45 minutes. And we're built, focusing on building a little strength, um, but we're also, I mean, shit, there's races in like two to four months, depending on who it is. So it is not the main target right now, but I don't know one to 12 hours, depending on your goals. Most people listening to this, probably two, like two sessions of 30 to 45 minutes. Do you need to warm up before your runs? How long do you need to stretch after your runs? There's a longer question about this from Tyler. Uh, Alako Abev would be interested in your thoughts on pre-run, stretch, warm up, et cetera, and also post-run, stretch, roller, other. Okay, pre-activity, so if you're prepping, it should probably be something dynamic. Tyler says he does some leg swings before his runs. And if there's some kind of intervals or speed, there's already a warm up and cool down incorporated. Yeah, I know. And uh, he finishes by walking a few laps around the driveway or trail parking lot and calling it a day. So your pre activity, again, should be something dynamic that should apply to you and get you ready to do the harder thing. So that really could be running a mile or two if you don't have a lot of aches and pains. If you have injuries that you're trying to figure out or correct, you might need something a little more directed. Now, for example, if you have hip issues, some leg swings and then some time in like that frogger rock that I've definitely shared and I'm happy to do again um, in the comments if somebody wants me to, will help you get your hips open a little bit, but it's not a stretch. It is this dynamic movement, right? We could call it priming. We could call it whatever. Um, now, if you are, if you struggle with ankle flexion, you could spend a few minutes doing tibialis anterior races where you pull your toes up to your shin to get that muscle a little more turned on. 
we could do some form of, it's called a combat stretch where you do the same thing, but you're kind of kneeling on the ground. And we have a whole bunch of options. So that is kind of what we're looking for. Something dynamic that gets you moving and gets you ready to do the movement you're about to do. This is a much easier comparison if we do strength training. So if you're gonna do heavy squats, you could do something to open your hips. You could do activation, right? Like all the stuff we just talked about, or you could do a light set of really deep squats. Now, as far as post, but you should warm up, start with that, especially if you're doing higher intensity work. Don't just go run at a five minute mile clip. That's not the way to start. Warm up, get your muscles moving, get your heart rate up a little bit, or else you're much more likely to pull something or hurt a tendon. What do we do after? This is very you dependent. The actual answer is you should probably stretch um, something. <laughs> Depends what you're really tight in. I'm not gonna tell you to do every stretch in the book. You should know what works for you and what you need to stretch. Your hamstrings probably wouldn't be a terrible idea. Your quads also wouldn't be a bad idea. Depends what you need. There is a stretch from Kelly Starrett called the couch stretch, which is wonderful. Open the hips. Uh, we can do couch stretch, stretch our quads. You can do downward dog, stretch your hamstrings. We can get our glutes. You can roll your piriformis, whatever helps you. There is very minimal evidence that shows any of this actually helps. It absolutely helps some people, right? Like we don't really care too much about flexibility. So I don't need you to be able to hand press into the floor while you stand up completely vertically and fold yourself over like a yogi. If you can and you're not getting injured, that's great. But if you're going to run, you probably actually want some tension in your muscles. So there's not really a wrong way to finish your run other than the fact that you should do something to kind of bring yourself down. And that really, again, could be a walk. If you're pretty good and well-balanced and really strong and you have no issues with cramping or stretching or ever, you just seem to be fine, then maybe just walk a lap, whatever the figurative lap is, so that you slowly bring down your muscles so that you're, they're not like quite so ready to seize. Next question. Sarah, we talked a little bit about electrolyte supplements, but is there a better time to take them pre or post-workout, just any time? So this was part of a earlier conversation that doesn't really show up here. The electrolyte thing, if you are taking them throughout your day, then you probably would be better off getting a good multivitamin. I'm not going to recommend anything. It's not a dietitian, but I'll tell you one that I favor and am going to buy soon for myself. And then one, a couple that I've used in the past. What I'm going to buy soon for myself is from Pure Encapsulations. One, O-N-E, is a single pill that's really good profile and is a lovely multivitamin. It's very affordable. The other one that I've taken in the past is Athletic Greens. I really like it as a supplement. I think it's very expensive and I don't like the way it tastes. So that's the trade-off. And then the third one is Thorn, T-H-R-N-E. 
I've definitely recommended both of, or all three of these companies before. If you're using Thorns, they have a couple options, it's a two a day, or then I think an athlete one. Both of them are wonderful, but they require more pills. And I just don't need to be taking more pills. I don't want to. So I'm gonna get the Pure Encapsulations One multivitamin. You can get whatever you want. You want a multivitamin with good stuff in it? Um, I'm happy to point you in a direction, shoot me a message. Again, it will nothing will be a recommendation because I'm not a dietitian or a doctor. Now, if you're just taking electrolyte supplements. You probably don't need them if you eat a sufficiently varied diet because you should get enough potassium and sodium and all of these things from your diet. Now, if you're trying to take electrolyte supplements for your race, pre and during are the best time to do it. Probably shouldn't focus too much on them post. You should just eat a bunch of food. So that is really where electrolyte supplements come in, pre and during your harder and or longer efforts. That one from Dina, what do we need to avoid eating after weightlifting so that food doesn't turn into fat? I'm not sure how best to explain it. It's just after workout, I really want to reward myself with ice cream. I've heard somewhere it will turn right into fat into my body. This Is this true? No, it's a load of horse shit. And uh, the kind of live fitness industry it's made millions off of. You will not, no food turns directly into your fat in your body. Um, the only way you create fat is if you're in a calorie surplus. You can prevent this a little bit by eating higher amounts of protein, high nutrient dense foods. Now, again, if your metabolism is downwardly adapted and you eat anything in a calorie surplus, it will turn into fat, it doesn't really matter. It's really hard to eat too much protein from a fat standpoint. They've actually shown that you can calorie surplus protein and it doesn't turn into fat as easily. That said, you can absolutely go overboard and hurt your kidneys. So don't eat like three grams of protein per pound of body weight. It's not smart, but nothing is like a magic fat thing. It is all about whether or not you're in calorie surplus now while you're taking care of yourself and whether you're doing the type of training that would push that towards muscle. Bobby, what are your thoughts on Epsom salt bath as recovery? My thoughts is that it sounds lovely. I've used them in the past. I enjoy them. I think it's very calming. I really like a float tank. And I think there is some evidence that magnesium absorbs through your skin. It's not as good as taking like a good supplement or eating a bunch of greens, but it absolutely absorbs through your skin and can be very nice. That said, down on the list below food, sleep, stress relief, et cetera, that we talked about last week. Carl, what's everyone's take on multivitamins and other daily supplements? We talked about the multivitamins a little bit. I think they can be super useful. I would love to say everybody should get their multis for their vitamins from foods, blah, blah, blah. It's really hard. Like our soil's straight up depleted of magnesium. So even if you ate all the green things in the world, you're still going to struggle a lot of the time. It's just tough. And so a multi can help. If you're going to do it, I'd invest in a quality one. But that's me. Other daily supplements that can help, we talked about a little bit, would be 
Again, none of this is a recommendation. Most people are deficient in vitamin D, so that can be super useful. You have to take it with fat for it to be absorbed. So if it's not like the vitamin D I take is actually at a dropper bottle and it's just olive oil with vitamin D in it, if that's not the kind that you take and it's in something like cellulose, then you'll need to take it with fat or else it won't absorb. Another thing that can be super useful for people is magnesium. Again, deficient, I think 50%-ish of the country. And then the rest of it kind of depends on you. If you're vegan, B vitamins, but I think they're helpful, um, especially if you're training hard, super helpful. One thing a lot of runners are really deficient in is iron for a whole host of reasons. So consider getting your iron levels tested. While it said, you can absolutely take too much of many of these things. So taking them willy-nilly doesn't make a lot of sense. You should probably get your blood levels tested before you take anything. And the worst case, you're going to overload. Like you can, you can absolutely end up with too much iron, right? Like that's one example. You can absolutely end up with something like too much vitamin A. Too much vitamin A and spent in toxicity. So if you're just taking a vitamin A supplement, like I see all these liver supplements that are popping up now. Liver's great. Uh, it's a really high source of vitamin A. Vitamin A is super important. A lot of people are really deficient. If you ate a ton of liver or a ton of liver supplements, you're going to end up with vitamin A toxicity. Like you can absolutely push it too far. So know what your levels are, or at least have a basic idea before you start taking something. And then finally from Brian, should I eat the same number of calories every day through the week? Or should I eat more on my long run day or the day after? My long run is two to three times the length of the other days. I love this question. This is exactly where all of the nutrition stuff that it would apply and help many people doesn't apply to athletes. So if I were telling someone to how to maintain or maybe lose a little weight and keep static, I'd tell them probably target a pretty similar food intake day to day, unless they just get really bored, right? But there's no point in a lot of these cycling strategies for most people, unless it just helps them live their life a little better. Now, for athletes, it makes a ton of sense to cycle, because if you are doing two to three times the activity on one day of the week, then that day should be higher, and then the day after should also be higher, and then your rest of your days through this week should be lower. So to have a baseline throughout your week, and then on days that are higher, um, and then on a recovery day, we should see a pretty significant increase in calories. And this is because, I mean, especially when we're looking at something like carbohydrate, it burns fairly quickly. And protein, there's not a great storage form of protein in your body. So it also gets used fairly quickly or you pee it out. Um, so if you're going to be putting those carbohydrates to use, you want to eat them around the day that you're having a big influx in training, right? And then same with protein. If you, protein should actually be pretty stable day to day but you can get away with a couple lower days, but you should not skimp on your protein on your long run day and the day after, All right? The easiest thing I've seen 
and most effective for athletes who have big jumps in their training is something called carb cycling. And it's something I've absolutely pushed in that guide. If you need that again, it'll be linked in the podcast notes or you can message me and I'll get it to you. Now, carb cycling is the answer. I like carb cycling because again, carbs are what should really be adjusting to your training level. Your fat level should be pretty stable, give or take. It'll go up and down a little bit. Your protein level should be pretty stable. You don't need a lot more protein dependent on your training. You need more dependent on whether you're trying to gain muscle mass or lose muscle mass or stay alive. But for the most part, if you're being an active human being, your protein should be pretty stable day to day. Your fat stores, your fat levels should be more or less stable day to day. They might go up a bit on your bigger days, but they don't have to. The thing that has to go up on your bigger days or more intense days are carbs. So eat extra carbs on your long run days, which you're probably doing if you're fueling properly. So your calories shouldn't be the same. They should mostly adjust based on different carb levels. And that is called carb cycling. And is how I run most people's nutrition during training. Cool. Those all the advanced questions that people put in the group. Does anybody have any follow-ups, anything they want to ask? Please pop it in the chat or you can just turn your mic on. I really don't care. Cool. Doesn't look like it. All right. We're going we're gonna to get out of here a little earlier than we did last week. And if you have any questions, uh, pop them in the comments on Facebook or hit me a message. And otherwise, I will chat with you soon. Be aware that we're doing our next call on Monday. Please stay active here. Uh, we'll be giving another giveaway on Monday. I'd love to see someone on this call win because y'all have been showing up really well. And it's going to be a giveaway for some kind of strength package. Um, again, you as the winner will have a say in what that means to help you fit your lifestyle. But it's going to be a package to kind of get stronger because next week we're going to be talking all about strength training and how it can help you get faster. So keep participating, keep sending in, and I will be back in the group tomorrow. And we're going to do another one of these next Monday. Thanks y'all. I really appreciate it. I'm seeing all the, all the love in the comments. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.